Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 15 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled, My Dreams, His Purpose. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. Well, we're going to continue a little differently today. Same topic, same, same problem as in the days of Noah. It's not really a series, more of a trilogy, I guess. It's, it goes on forever and ever. Uh, it doesn't seem to end. I keep saying, uh, I really do. I say, Lord, I've got to conclude this thing. People's going to get tired of it. And uh, it's just like I, I'm compelled to talk about where we are. That's all. And uh, it's up to you and your heart with God if, it, if, if this story has a happy ending or not. Now, anybody tell me who that is? Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Can you tell by that picture what movie it was Jimmy Stewart? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. That's, uh, you know, I think everybody about knows that movie. If, if you don't, I don't have time to take you through it. You almost don't have time to watch it. It's a long movie. <laughs> And, uh, but it's a wonderful life. And, and in that, uh, in that movie, it, to me, it had a tremendous prophetic, uh, revelation, uh, there with, uh, Jimmy Stewart, uh, what was his name he played? Who? George. George. How can we forget George? Very complicated name, unheard of name, George. Uh, George, that's right, George Bailey. And, uh. So in this movie, you had George and a respectable young guy. You remember he was raised up in a, in a pharmacy there. You remember that little story? And he had a bad ear, and uh, then he helped the pharmacist. He was about to murder or kill some people with their own script. You remember all that? It just seems like that when you look back on the movie, it just so happens that George actually found himself in the right place at the right time. It's like uh, he would find his life in a situation uh, that it would change destinies. And you wonder, well, how in the world did George end up there? Well, there's something that moved George when he was a little boy in that pharmacy. It was the compassion for others that caused him to move and to make the bold statement he did to the pharmacist there that he was given the wrong. He was actually a drunk, alcoholic and drunk and making a huge mistake. But my point is there was compassion in George's heart to move on behalf of someone else. Well, that's, it's a, that's a big thing. And the reason is we also, as the movie goes on, we know George had this dream. He had this dream, you know, to go see the world. You remember that? And he... He had this uh, suitcase, I think it was, and this special big suitcase, and he had all these brochures, I think, that looked kind of worn out. He'd looked at them for so long, I think, of the world. And so they, he had this dream to, to see the world. But we saw quickly that in his early life that he also had a passion uh, for other people. So I want us to start uh, to look at this uh, dynamics between uh, these two places in life. One is a, one is kind of a passion. One's a, one's kind of a dream, and the other one is the passion for other people. Had these two storylines going on at the same time. Uh, do you remember who this character was? What was his name? Clarence. <laughs> We'll call him Charlie, but his name was Clarence. <laughs> That's right. Two C's. Clarence. Now, Clarence had, you know, his job. He was trying to get his wings, right? And so the movie was a, a good storyline in which Clarence came on the scene and, and uh, was trying to intervene. Uh, to me, uh, Clarence was an, his angel in the movie. was kind of a character of the Holy Spirit uh, to me in life. He would, he would somehow be in uh, George's life right at these special times when he, he needed to listen. He, the funny part is he always tend to argue with the angel, and, uh, which is somewhat like us. Now, do you remember this scene? There was a time that, that George, he was going to kill himself. He was going to jump off his bridge. It's like he couldn't get out of Bedford. He was, he was trying to get out of this city, get out of this town, 
so he could go run after his dream. And then it, then it just so happens that he, uh, he got to see the future without him in it. You remember that. So that, that's the story, that little scene there. He went to a bar. Uh, nobody knew him. And he was upset that nobody actually knew who he was. But what he was actually seeing was uh, life without, uh, his, uh, without him being in it. That it changed a lot of things. And, we, we, and where I want us to go, go with this is I'm going into the book of Revelation too, believe it or not. I'm not going to pass out Christmas presents. But I'm, I'm going somewhere, somewhere with this. Is I'm trying to set up a, how our minds work, two different types of thinking running parallel of what's really going on. And so he got to see life without him being here. And of course, uh, that's the last scene of the movie, if you remember. Uh, George finally made it home. He was back into the here and now. And uh, he had a wonderful family and friends. His friends, of course, helped bail him out from the money that his uncle had lost. And, and so the story goes. But anyway, it has that happy ending. And then right at the end, you hear a little bell ring on the tree. And that way we know Clarence got his wings. So I was glad about that. We're glad Clarence didn't have to go through all that again. And, and so, but the point is at the end of the movie... Uh, George uh, never did get to do his dream. Okay. And what I want us to consider here is dream versus purpose. Dream versus purpose. Now, I'm going to take us through a little bit of teaching here right quickly, and I'm going to end right back up where I started if I'll get to move on here. And... Um, Dream versus purpose. Now, as we are here on this planet, there the enemy is trying to capture God's people. Number one, he's trying to capture people. Number two, then he's trying to capture God's people. Now, he may be lost us for eternity, but he's trying to regain our anointing for now. And so, the way he, what I'm going to, please hear me through today, because might hurt your feelings a little bit uh, in the beginning, but I think I can redeem them at the end, is that we are taught and raised to follow our dreams. Everything's about your dreams. And, and in all honesty, when I was growing up, I don't know when that terminology started getting into our schools and everything. And now I'm not against dreams, okay? I dream. I'm not against dreams. I'm just saying... It, all of a sudden, this knowledge started coming in. Follow your dream. Uh, dreams uh, supersede everything uh, if you're not following your dream. So uh, that started. Now, when I was growing up, my father didn't ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. Didn't, didn't enter his, it was not in his vocabulary. I mean, when I finished high school, I could either go to college or I could start farming, one or the other. And if I went to college, as a matter of fact, it had to be in agriculture. So, uh, so, and I never even questioned it. You know, I just, that's the way I was raised. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, you're talking about arranged marriages. I mean, I had arranged destiny. But, but nonetheless, um, my father knew that that was my greatest opportunity. And he offered me the opportunity. And he always told me that you can, it's your choice, whatever you want to do. But it never entered my mind that I had some great dream. And a lot of people say, well, Alan, uh, you probably had a dream to farm and to milk cows. And, and the answer to those two questions is no, 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 no. <laughs> no. I, hadn't, I mean, you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, go milk cows, and it's cold and it's wet. And you're milking. The old cow's got an old sloppy tail, and she hits you in the face with it. 3 o'clock in the morning, wake up, everybody. And... Uh, uh, so there's not a thing about it, number one, romantic. There's not a thing about it that would, you would run to. It's the reason, young people, you don't see uh, dairy farms springing up all over the country. It, it is, there's better things to do than milk. Uh, uh, I know if you see a cow in the picture, it looks great, but trust me, they've had a bath if you see it in a picture. Uh, the, the reality, I mean, what, what's skewing everything today is 
uh, is the likes of Instagram and of our, our social media. You know, everybody takes a picture. You got the lighting just right. And is, am I looking good? Am I, I mean, everything you see on Instagram is a fake. I mean, it's not a fake. It's, it's, it's not the real you. It's not, it's not the real you. It's, it's the best of you that you can put up there, right? So everybody else looks at Instagram thinking, boy, I'm, boy, my life's not that good. Wow, look at them. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're here, they're there. You just flip down through it, and if you look at it for 15 minutes, you'll be right depressed <laughs> by the end of it, uh, that your life is not as great as everybody else's life that you're seeing. But, but we start discovering, if we really look at it objectively, that uh, that's not giving a true uh, reality. Uh, I've said this before. You can be driving down 64, and you can meet someone driving a Porsche. You're driving a old Ford pickup with a beat-up tailgate like mine, and you can meet this Porsche just zooming down the road. And you, I can have the thought. The only reason I say I can have the thought is because I have. I can have the thought, man, he's got it made. But, but if I was inside his mind, the truth is he might be saying, I'm going to run it in that bridge embutment right down at the end of the road here. You see, you're, you're not in the heart and the mind of people that we see in Instagram. Every, we've got all of this stuff now that gives all of this imagery of, of who people are and why they are. So now, here's my point. The enemy is wanting us to use that as the litmus test for joy and happiness. He, he's working through our senses our physical senses, the worldly senses. As Christians and believers, we don't go by that, right. right? We've got our spiritual senses. And, and um, so right, with that introduction, let me move rather quickly. Now, keep, keep this in mind, even though I'm going to pull off my storyline, I'm wanting to plant into you these, this idea of dreams versus uh, a purpose. Now, uh, now, lost identities is where we're going with this. And a disinformation is the beginning. Now, the key to uh, dreams versus purpose is the only is the way enemy keeps us uh, from purpose is we lose our identity. Uh, is we don't know who we are. We lose our identity. People today, everywhere, they're trying to find out who they are, and you got all these trans identities now, and everybody's wanting to switch to this, to that, and and. Uh, uh, you know, people are trying to identify uh, with all kinds of things. And since I identify with that, that means I am that. Now, uh, there again, you might want to identify with a dog and you might be acting like a dog, but it doesn't make you a dog, right? You, you, you can go in my milk barn. I've said this before. You can spend 15 minutes in our, my milk barn. You can leave my milk barn, get in a tr- car with your friend, go home. And they're going to say, "Ooh, you smell like a cow. Well, just because you smell like a cow doesn't make you a cow, right? So the point being, it's being guilt by association. So we've got this psychological mindset of guilt by association is being given to us in our spiritual lives. And the enemy is trying to have us guilty by our association. So the the Bible teaches us to be careful with who we associate with. All right, why? It's because of the, the guilt uh, by association. You say, well, well, I'm not a dog. Yeah, but if you, by association, you're acting like one, you look like one, and, and all of that. Y'all get all that. You're mature people. All right, let me go on. Now, lost identities, credit cards. Anybody ever lost one of those? You had your credit card stolen? Your numbers? Uh, you, we call it your losing identity. Now, I'm just saying we're living in a world that lost identity is the spiritual issue. That's the issue. Uh, the most dangerous mistake in identity is Jesus Christ and the Antichrist in scriptures. And I'm going to go to there right quickly. I've got eight or ten slides. I won't spend much time on them. But, but we, the, the greatest misidentity is Jesus Christ and the Antichrist. Now, I, I submit to you that the reason this is one of his goals and we've got all the trans and we've got so much going on today, I submit to you is so that we... Uh, uh, that we will receive the spirit of the Antichrist when he's on the scene. All of these things that are happening is, are preempting us uh, to accept the false identity of Jesus Christ. 
So to me, that makes it a very serious topic. Now, it's very subtle, but it is very, very uh, serious. Uh, we think you can't be almost Jesus. It's just, it just won't get it. You can't be almost Jesus, you see. Uh, and so that's what's going to be happening. That's what's coming down. That's, that's, that's what's going on now. And um, there again, I spend a lot of my time, I, a lot of you know my story in mental hospitals, not as a patient, even though they wanted to keep me a couple of times. Uh, maybe should have been, but I spent a lot of time there. And this, what I'm teaching you is on the borderline of insanity. Uh, you can say, well, yeah, Alan, but insane people are, are, are in mental hospitals. No, they're not. Uh, there's more insanity outside of a mental hospital than there is inside the mental hospital. And, and, and uh, insanity is when you are not thinking properly. So that's what insanity is. So there's a lot. The question is, Alan, how much of your thinking is insane? How much of your uh, thinking is off? of truth. And so I'm constantly in this battle of trying to uh, keep myself with a sound mind and a pure heart that I might know the things of God. And it's, it's, it's a full-time job. But anyway, it's trying to head us towards uh, the Antichrist. Now, the ultimate mistaken identity is the white horseman of Revelation 6. So I'm going to pop on that one right quickly, not long. But as we get into this one, uh, and now remember, the deal issue here is mistaken identity. The, the, the battle that George was in in the wonderful life was his purpose versus his dream. Can, can you see that? Uh, it just so happens that uh, um, me milking cows is hard. It's... it's uh, it's nasty, it's hard, it's cold, it's wet, and, and that's on the good days. And, and I'm not kidding, that's the good days. Uh, this morning my son came in and uh, thankfully because I was preparing, he didn't call for my help, but he had to pull a calf and it was dead. Uh, been dead for a few days, thank you. I'll let you carry it on from there. He had to go through, it, go through all of that just to, so the cow wouldn't die. So this is, no, this is normal uh, dairy farming. Now, I don't like it. I really do not like it. At 69 years old, I look for the day that I don't have a cow on the farm. I understand, George. I get it. But, but in all honesty and in a, in, a, in a spiritual reality, that farming and dairy farming is necessary for me to fulfill my purpose. Now, if it was my dream, I would be looking for everything to fall in place just right. Okay, this, if I knew this person, I could get to here. If I knew this person, I, all of a sudden, the dots are connecting, so therefore, it must be God. Uh, listen, the enemy has dots, That's right. you see. So, so you, there's more you got to go with than just connecting the dots. We'll get into that. So, so my dreams, your dreams, as hard as they might be, are, are more easily accomplished than your purpose. Uh, I'll give you an example. I could ask him to leave, but I won't. I'll take my friend Trevor Craig. He never wanted to be a doctor. I think everybody in here knows that. That's not new. He didn't want to be, never wanted to be a doctor. Probably one of the best doctors out there. He could diagnose what you had by phone call. He could just, he could put her together. But he did, it wasn't his dream. So, I ask you, what was fulfilled in his life? His dream or his purpose? His purpose. Now I'll get to you, Pastor. <laughs> Had a furniture factory, always wanted to run a, a, a manufacturing company. That was his dream. He had to come to a decision in his life. He had to lay down his dream because he knew what his purpose was and he didn't want to do the purpose. Neither one of those guys wanted to do their purpose. Neither one of them. They had to lay something down to fulfill 
God's purpose. It's not even their purpose. It's God's purpose. Now, I'm using those two men as an example. Because of their position in the church, I can reveal them to you. All of you sitting there, you understand what I'm saying. You apply it to your own life. You're like, well, I'm not getting where I wanted to be. It seems like I always head over here. For some reason, I'm going in this direction. And that now, as I get into this, I want us to see something. You got to make a decision. You know if it's God or not. Trevor probably didn't know it was God till he quit somewhere along in there. But it was God. One of the best ones out there. I'm not just kidding. And, uh, and Pastor Steve, I think, is the same way. He didn't want. He didn't want to preach. It's, it, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't burst your bubble. But he's one of the best preachers out there now, as far as I'm concerned. But it's not what he wants to do. So, 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 do you want to stand before God and say, God, my my dream was cherry pie? And I know how to make the best cherry pie. And I brought you one to heaven. God's going to go, bleh. I don't like cherry pie. That's what's going to happen. But if you stand before God and say, God, I yielded to your purpose. Now, how do you know it's going to be uh, God's purpose? Number one, it takes hard work to get there. It's going to be doing stuff you don't want to do. All the way through. Every day you get up, you're not really going to want to do it. But something down deep inside of you says, this, this is, i got to do this. Today, I've got to do this. But I have this dream of the day. I don't have to do it. And you wake up at 85 years old and say, well, I guess I'll yield to my purpose. <laughs> my dream's not coming. Can, can you see the, the comparison to George? He had this dream of seeing the world. But his purpose was for others. How do you know if you're living in a dream or in purpose? A dream is self-seeking. A purpose seeks others. That's how you know. Your dream serves you. Your purpose serves others. So as we go down through these scriptures, right quick if I'll hush and get on with it. The ultimate mistaken identity. Now, our job at church is to be sure we don't have mistaken identity. Con the enemy is constantly trying to entice us and seduce us with sin, us thinking. See, sin goes along with a dream. It might be a sinful dream, but it's a dream nonetheless. It's not your purpose. You see, sin's always self-seeking. Always self-seeking. You can sin serving others, but very little. It's, it's minimal. Let's get on with it here right quickly. The white horseman, the Antichrist, was a mistaken identity. As we're living in these last days, this is what we're looking for, is the spirit of the Antichrist is among us. The spirit of the Antichrist is out here. It's, cause, it's causing everyone to mistake in their identity and who they are, just being born naturally, male and even female. Who is he, we can ask ourselves. Why is he so dangerous, we can say. Is he alive today? I believe he is. As I've said before, I believe he's been alive in every generation because Satan does not know the time nor the hour of the second coming of Christ. He does not know the day of the tribulation period. So therefore, he has to have an antichrist poised and in place in each generation to take that place. The Antichrist will act as Satan's chief agent on earth. The Antichrist is a sort of uh, evil twin, if you will, a set of Jesus in many ways. Will forge a one world government through promises of peace. You can... How can I say this? Uh... You can have good without evil, but you can't have evil without good. And here's the reason. Evil's the opposite of good. 
Evil doesn't know what to do on its own. When you've got good and evil in the earth today, evil's constantly trying to mimic the good in the opposite direction. That's the reason he takes on this spirit of light. It, it looks like it's good. Uh, homosexuality. Nobody has a bigger heart for homosexuals than me. That's the truth. I mean, I cry, I've cried over them, prayed with them. Of what a dilemma that is. I'm like, wow, that's just, that's hard. That's a, that's a, that's a hard one for a person to have to deal with that one and, and go against those tendencies and, 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 and to, to walk with God. But I've seen it. But when I got to thinking about it, it's, it's actually no different than any other sin. I, I don't say all sins alike. I'm a little different. But you know, sin is sin, but some have more power in them than others. Some have more seduction in them than others. And, um, but my heart's always went out to, to that community uh, because usually uh, it's the most understanding and caring people on the planet. That's the reason. Uh, that's a hang, that's the reason they get hung up in it. They got more compassion and understanding than most people, and so that's the reason my heart just just goes out to them. Uh, very easy to communicate for me. Very easy to understand that particular sin. Matter of fact, it's easier for me to talk to a homosexual about that sin than it is a man going out on his wife or a wife going out on their husband. That one's hard. That you just you can't get them to pay any attention. And most homosexuals I've talked with, won't, they won't free. Just help me, show me the path, help me here, we'll, we'll get through it. But you take somebody smitten by some of these other um, forms of evil. The Antichrist promises peace to those who follow him. He will uh, rise to a position of great power, spirit of the Antichrist. With the help of his own false prophets, the Antichrist will gain control of the world economy by forcing each person to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. Uh, that is the name of the beast or the number of his name, which is 666. So, so well, Alan, I'd never do that. Well, yeah, 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 maybe you would. You've got to understand how slippery this slope is. If you don't know who you are in Christ, how are you going to know who is the Antichrist? You see, how are you going to know? So this identity of who we are in Christ is huge. Now, most of the time we don't want to identify. We say we're having a hard time with our identity in Christ is because we're hanging on to sin. And we don't want to let it loose. So we'd rather play, stay in this place of a limbo of being saved, but not quite like Christ. I, I mean, I get all that. But it still doesn't, in these days, in, la, in these last days, days of Noah, we are not living 50 years ago or 40 years ago. More is required now. Let me move on. One of the heads of the beast also seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth followed the beast uh, with wonder. Uh, this Antichrist will be, looks like it'll be wounded, he'll die. It's going to look almost like a, a, a resurrection of the dead, like Jesus. And so uh, there again, he's trying to copy or mimic Christ. Now, here's the opening of the seal scroll, first seal, conquering. It's Revelation 6, 1 through 2. We'll read it right quickly. Revelation 6, and I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts, saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that said uh, on had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. So here we see it's a white horse, all of the above. I'm going to give a few more other scriptures to give us more understanding. He's trying to look like Christ, but he comes also with these with these three other horses, uh, we've got a red horse, black horse, and then a pale horse, it said, uh, as you read on down uh, in Revelation 6. But my point here is, behold, I see a white horse. Believe it or not, some people have mistaken this in Bible study as Jesus, but it's, it's not him. Actually, it's the opposite. Why a white horse? Now, let's look at this in John 5, 43. I uh, am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. So, so there Jesus is, is giving uh, the prophecy or the futuristic understanding that 
you're probably going to receive, you won't receive me, but you'll re receive one that looks something like me. You can tell he is an imposter by the company he keeps. So, so I look at, uh, Alan's, I mean, I look at the UN, I look at the One World Order, I look at all of this stuff to see where this next Antichrist is. Some people think he's an Arab, some people think all this other stuff. Uh, but I keep up, and I, 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 I keep up with all that stuff, and, and there's, a, there's a reason that I keep up with it. Now, Revelation 6, 2, And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown, and was given him, and he went forth conquering also to conquer. Now, if you'll notice there, it says a bow. It doesn't say a bow and arrow. And it's always depicted in, in pictures as, you know, a bow. But if you look at that famous picture there, and the man on the white horse does not have an arrow in his bow, even though he's got it pulled back. So it's trying to be true to the, uh, true the context. But uh, I want to point out something here to you. You have something that's called the law of first mention when you're studying Scripture. Uh, so the law of first mention here, where's the first place that you saw a bow? It's 9.13, and I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token as a covenant between me and the earth. I went over that with you uh, here sometime past about how the rainbow uh, uh, is a type of the covenant. I've, and that bow is the same bow. It's the same work, same thing there. So it's not talking about a bow and arrow. It's talking about he's going to have that symbol uh, of a bow. Uh, and that's what we see uh, happening now. Uh, so, uh, and uh, Satan trying to be the Savior. Now, we see this in Revelation 19, 11. Now, I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and this is Jesus here. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true and righteousness. He judges and makes war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on, on a white horse. If you, if you want to know where I'll be during that time, I will be on a white horse. So you'll know, you can pick me out. I'm on the white horse. Uh, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it uh, he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads with a wine press of the fierceness of wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe, on his thigh, a name written King of Kings, Lords of Lords. So the, the, the white horse rider of Revelation 6 is trying to come in as this. this. This is what he's trying to come in at. That's another reason it's important to understand the rapture of the church and some other things. Uh, not to get into all of that, but if you understand the rapture correctly, you, you'll not fall to that. Okay. Now, Revelation 6, 2. And I saw, of course, that's the same scripture, a white horse. Now, why a white horse? Once again, mistaken identity. All right, he has a crown. The crown there, there's the, uh, the Greek word, the victor's crown, the wreath, a garland, which was around uh, as a prize to victors in public games. In other words, he's going to be seen on the world scene as a huge, uh, uh, that he is the great victor. Now, here's what you got to understand. This is what I want you to understand. This is mistaken identity. So mistaken identity is the issue. Uh, you know, I've taught you that uh, it, it's important uh, to be able to make, uh, to distinguish. You, you've got to be able to distinguish between a truth and a lie. You, you've, you've got to, uh, you've got, we've got, everything's trying to blur, but we've got to be able to keep things in distinction. Uh, the whole idea now is blurring, and I went over with all of that in the last few weeks. Uh, conquer means he gets victory. Uh, now in Daniel, it says here, and through his policy, he shall be caused craft to prosper in his hand. He shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many. So he's going to look like he has this peace. He also has, causes Israel to sign a peace treaty, believe it or not. And, uh, but he's going to be seen as a man of peace. And so all of your political correctness jargon today, uh, don't hurt nobody's feelings, all this mess uh, today, it's a type of peace. But that's not peace. Can you see that? I mean, I'm all for peace, but give me peace. That's not peace. But it's misidentity. They're labeling peace as peace, and it's not peace. Okay, it's deception. And, and, it's, and, and in this household here, we're supposed to know the difference. God calls us to know the difference. 
And um, now here we can see that he appears to be resurrected today from the dead. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to move. But there he, he performs great signs, verse 13. Uh, he deceives those in verse 14. And uh, this is uh, him trying to mimic Christ. And it also says in Revelation 13, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Uh, he causes off both great and small, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on the right hand, on the foreheads, and they in no way may buy nor sell. Uh, you know, that's called the mark of the beast. Now, so you, you can say, well, I would never do that. Well, yeah, don't be careful. Yes, you, yes we would do that. Uh, my, my point being we've, is the misidentity. I revert back to again. You've got to have your identity in Christ and know that you have your identity in Christ and not in this world. It's important that we grow in our distinct characters of Christ as we keep moving through this Christian life because that's the very thing that's going to save you from, from failing. Now, there are two political leaders and false prophets who forces the, the worship of uh, that number one beast. Now, here's the problem of mistaken identity. We can have what I call guilt by association. And... Uh, uh, guilt by association, you know, a lot of things today are done by guilt and association. They get a picture of somebody standing beside somebody and then they'll cast that as, oh yeah, see, they're good friends. They're standing beside each other. Uh, that's what you call guilt by association. Now let me move further with that. The spiritual problem of mistaken identity. Now, here we go. The Bible tells us that our identity in Christ is part of accepting his gift of eternal life through faith. The Bible tells us that our identity in Christ is part of accepting his gift of eternal life. Those two go together. Jesus gave his life on earth and rose from the grave to conquer death and sanctify those who believe in him. Jesus did that thing. Key thing to us as humans is believe in him. That's, 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 that's a major thing. When we become followers and believers in Jesus, we lose our identity of this world and embrace our identity in Christ. So there again, I use Trevor and Pastor Steve as examples. They lay, they lay down their personal identity of what they wanted to do because this purpose was shouting at them. It's an amazing thing with purpose. You'll follow purpose when you don't feel like it. You'll, you'll be following purpose and not even knowing you're doing it. And that's because you have given over your life is God in charge. And, and, and yet we still have this battle raging of doing what uh, our dreams are. Now, I want to get a little quicker here so I can follow that up. Our identity in Christ is being a member of his body and his church. Now, how to fix a mistaken identity? He came to his own. His own did not receive him. But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Uh, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So here we can see, how do I fix missed identity? I'm born of God. That's how. I, I am born of God, that I put my trust in him, and in that verse right there, you can write it down. That's how we fix mistaken identity. Now, but he that has joined unto the Lord is what? Now that's key. That we are joined to the Lord so that we become one spirit with the Lord. If we're struggling in an area, that part's not become one with the Lord yet. That's good. You see, that's, that's, that's what's happening. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Somebody say, glory, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, so we, but this is, those verses are huge in the day we're living in. That's what I'm saying. They're huge. They're big. This is who you are in Christ Jesus. Uh, we go look at it in Galatians. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself uh, uh, for me. It says, uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I yet not I, but Christ live. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his what? workmanship created in who Christ Jesus unto the good works which God hath ordained and we should walk in John 1 12 but as many as received him 
To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So this day we sit and stand before you as, as I have the power to stand here and tell you I am a son of God. No apologies. I'm, I'm, that's my identity. That's who I am. And, and God has not asked me to be a lawyer on this planet negotiating the world with him. Very important. He's asked me to be on this world, of this, in this world, not of this world, uh, being a testimony. Can you hear me now? There's a difference in being a testimony and a bossy something or another trying to tell everybody what to do in Jesus' name. We're to be a testimony. Testimony means you test my money. <laughs> right? That's testimony. I will tell you what God has done for me. That's, a, that's the only argument you need. You can quote all the scripture you want to. Give them a testimony. Now, so here we go. I've got just a few minutes. Now, the days of Noah's, it's the seductiveness of the last days that we're in. It's, it's tremendously seductive. It blurs the lines of your identity. It's, it's blurring them. It, quit trying to come to church and leave church out in the world and act to everybody like you're cool. We're not cool. We're powerful. I like that. We're not cool. We're powerful. There's, there's a huge difference. Now, 2 Timothy. I charge therefore uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but their own lusts uh, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears uh, from the truth and is be turned into fables. But watch thou in things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered uh, in the time of my departure at hand. That's not cool for the world standards. So we've got to make a huge decision here. Now let me get going here. Paul is describing a day when believers would not uh, face a last day's deception in the church when they would face deception. He wrote that at the end of the age, just before Jesus' return, that large numbers of people in the body of Christ would be led astray. His words are not meant to frighten us, but to prepare us so we would not fail to this demonically inspired seduction. In this final hour before Jesus returns, his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said, increasing numbers of people in Christian community uh, will not endure sound doctrine. I'm going to jump into what this looks like right quickly. I've got five minutes. I th actually, I cannot see the last number on that clock, so that means I can keep going until I see it. Um, even now, even now, he says, this has taken place as many gravitating towards teaching and preaching that is more motivational and psychological than scripturally based. I hesitated putting that down this morning, but it's the truth. There's a difference. There's a, everybody's wanting to be motivated. When my daddy motivated me, it was with his foot. And I was motivated. Now, maybe there's a better way of motivation, but he didn't know it, so I associate with that. Here, here's what we got. This feels good and sounds good. Feels good and sounds good. Good service today felt good. But evidently, you didn't get what you came for. It's not supposed to feel good. I'm not saying you got to come in here every Sunday and feel bad, but sooner or later, something needs to quicken your heart. Now, many are being seduced by a cheap grace gospel that brings no change and leaves us pursuing our selfish ways. This church, we do not want to be guilty of a cheap gospel. We won't be guilty of doing the Word of God. I don't care if we don't see it like we think we're supposed to see it. We still want to be guilty of doing it. Why? Because it's our purpose. My dream is to see many healed. My purpose is to pray for the sick. Which one am I going to live in? Watch it. The tragedy is that when things get even worse, people will not be able to resist evil and, mark, and then the mark of the beast is what happens. Spiritual transhumanism, I called it, the new spiritual hybrid of the last days. Spiritual transhumanism. 
Now watch this. A lukewarmness and then a falling away. It's what happens. It's Revelation 3.16. So then because they are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, I've had people ask me at that verse, can you be saved and lost and once saved, always saved and all this? And, and I have my own convictions of what I think that is. But I don't know what the heck you're going to do with that verse. It says there's a falling away. Well, I can say, well, they never would save. Well, that'd work. But it says, uh, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come falling away. Now, it just so happens Paul's talking to believers. So it's not, maybe not a matter of saved or lost, but it might be a matter of rapture or not, or it might be a matter of going through tribulation or not. I don't know. We just got to identify what is a falling away. Now here's what happens with a substitute. Prosperity, happiness, my dreams. Prosperity, happiness, my dreams. That's where I get into this thing with George and his dream. His dream was to see the world. The important thing has become to be someone special in the world. Entertainment and culture are invading many churches at a breakneck speed. How many likes we get on Facebook has taken over our acceptance in Christ. By God. I had to throw this one in there. If you have, been, if you have received Jesus Christ, you have been liked by God. <laughs> Just praise God. You got the big like. You got the big like. You got the light, the one that counts. And uh, how can I know I am walking and living in the life God has for me? Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and who are called according to what? You see that? You see that? All things work together for good to them that love God, uh, uh, to them who are called according to their dreams. No. His purpose. See, a lot of us are getting upset because our dreams aren't coming true. Now, now, now let me go with me here. We are living unto our purpose, Amen. not to our dream. Amen. I don't care what everybody said to you. You're living unto purpose. Now, if you're living unto your dream, you're going to be disappointed every day. But when you figure out everything that's going on every day has everything to do with your purpose... All of them things are going to work out for good. Are you with me? I'm about done. Romans 8, 28. There it is. I'm going to put my dreams over here. His purpose over there. My dreams serve self. His purpose serves others. My dreams, selfish ambition. His purpose is ambition. Now, this thing moves. I'm going to bring the two together. I say, well, Alan, what do I do with my dreams? Some people mislabel dreams as purpose. Some people mislabel purpose as dreams. Now, you can have dreams given by God that have not matured until they've turned into His purpose. A matured dream is a dream that is turned into God's purpose. Let me give you, give you a little example right quickly. I'm going over, Pastor, two or three minutes. If we live our lives in purpose, we will never fail. Amen. Why? Because all things work together for good. You say, well, Alan, I don't see how this is going to be good. Keep going in your purpose. Don't abandon your purpose because your dream's not happening. Stay in purpose. His dream became his purpose. Do you know what Martin Luther King wanted to do? He just wanted to preach. That is all that man wanted to do. He didn't want to do civil rights. He just wanted to preach. That's the reason he kept mixing preaching with civil rights. All the man wanted to do was go home and preach. That is all he wanted to do. But God called him to a greater purpose. So then Martin Luther incorporated his dreams and laid them down for God's purpose. Cost him his life. 
But he met God in purpose. Not in a failed dream. A dream can only fail when we refuse to give it to God. And allow him to bring definition in your purpose. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. Lord, you know our deal. If there's anything I've said I shouldn't have, I pray that it'll fall to the ground. But if there's anything I've said of your will and of your kingdom, I pray, oh God, that you would show everyone in this place their purpose in life. And that we would give all of our dreams over to you for purpose. We yield. We lay it all down. We sacrifice all of our dreams for the sake of your purpose. Be with us this day, oh God. And Lord Jesus, the next 15 minutes, I'm going to be trying to find that button to push. That all of heaven would fall in this place. Be with us, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.